The year is 2003. The Human Genome Project is completed. It's a technological achievement that gives medical researchers a better understanding of how to predict and hopefully eventually cure genetic diseases. Meanwhile, despite protests by millions around the world, the U.S. invades Iraq. And Cuba angers Western leaders when it cracks down on dissidents in what is called the Black Spring, in which it arrests scores of human rights activists, journalists, and librarians. And that year, the Pulitzer Prize for Drama went to Nilo Cruz's Anna in the Tropics, a romantic drama set in a Florida cigar factory in 1929, when modern technology is threatening the traditions that Cuban immigrants brought to this country. Anna in the Tropics was the first play to win the Pulitzer that hadn't previously been performed in New York. It was also the first written by a Latino playwright. My name is Jan Simpson. Welcome to All the Drama, a podcast about the plays and musicals that have won American theater's highest accolade, the Pulitzer Prize for Drama. Anna in the Tropics opens as the workers at a Tampa cigar factory are waiting for the arrival of their new lector. For years, lectors, or as we would say in English, readers, were hired to read aloud to workers while they rolled cigars. The publications these lectors read ranged from classic novels to political manifestos. In this case, the reader, an elegant man named Juan Julian, chooses the novel Anna Karenina. The female workers at the factory are enchanted by the story of the love affair between the married woman and the dashing cavalry officer in Leo Tolstoy's novel. And they're also enchanted by the dashing man who is reading it to them. Their male co-workers are more concerned about the future of the factory. It's losing business to competitors who are bringing in cigar rolling machines. But their boss is a man with a gambling problem, and he seems unwilling or unable to update his operations despite the pleas of his younger half-brother Cheche, who is half Cuban, half American, and more comfortable with the modern technology. But Cheche is also quick-tempered, and he hates lectors because his wife ran away with one. Like Cheche, playwright Nilo Cruz has allegiances in both cultures. He was born in 1960 in Matanzas, a city on the north coast of Cuba that is famous for its poetry and music. But when young Nilo was 10, his family emigrated to Miami on one of the freedom flights the U.S. sponsored after the Cuban Revolution. Cruz grew up there without any specific aspirations. He was working in the physical therapy department at a Miami hospital when he happened to see a production of The Dresser at the local Coconut Grove Playhouse. He was so taken with it, particularly by the performance of the company's artistic director, Jose Ferrer, that he decided to pursue a career in the theater of his own, and he enrolled in the acting program at Miami-Dade Community College. 
When one of his professors assigned students to write their own scenes to perform, Cruz's were so vivid that the professor urged him to pursue more playwriting. Cruz eventually moved to New York, where he studied with the playwright Maria Irene Fornes. She was so impressed by the lyrical writing that would become Cruz's trademark that she recommended him to her friend Paula Vogel, who was then teaching theater at Brown University. Cruz earned his MFA there in 1994. But his early writing days weren't easy. He worked in a bookstore to make ends meet, and for a while he had so little money that he actually had to sleep on the floor of the office of the organization New Dramatists. Cruz had written six full-length plays before the new theater in Coral Gables, Florida, commissioned what would become Anna and the Tropics. It was a game-changer for him. The McCarter Theater Center in Princeton, New Jersey, which had championed his work for almost a decade, scheduled the play to open its brand-new theater. The American Theater Critics Association awarded it its Steinberg New Play Award, and shortly after that, the play won the Pulitzer, beating out Edward Albee's The Goat, or Who is Sylvia, and Richard Greenberg's Take Me Out. Plans were quickly made for the McCarter production to move to Broadway. Its cast was led by Jimmy Smith, then riding high from his role in the TV cop show NYPD Blue, and Daphne Rubin Vega, the original Mimi in Rent. But the critical reception wasn't warm. The New York Times drama critic Ben Brantley wrote that, like the romance drunk souls who inhabit it, Anna finds that its reach exceeds its grasp. Charles Isherwood, then writing for Variety, was even more blunt, saying that on the evidence of this production, it seems Cruz's subtly spiced period drama is not ideally suited to Broadway. So it's no wonder that the production ran just 113 performances. And it has never been revived at a major theater here in New York. And although Cruz has continued to churn out plays, he has had only one other major production here. The play called Beauty of the Father, which had a six-week run at Manhattan Theater Club back in 2006. But one theater maker who has always continued to be a fan of Cruz and his work is Emily Mann, who was the artistic director of the McCarter Theater Center for 30 years until she retired in 2020. She was one of the first to support his work, and she directed the production that played on Broadway. As theater lovers will know, she is also an award-winning playwright herself, a pioneering female voice in the theater, and has been a passionate advocate for racial diversity on our stages long before that became fashionable. So I was a little intimidated when I asked her to talk with me about Anna and the Tropics, and I was beyond delighted when she said yes. Hello, Emily Mann. It's such an honor to have you here. Well, it's a pleasure to be here. Thank you so much. I wanted to start off by asking you how and when you first met Nilo Cruz, because I think you guys go a long way back. We do go a long way back. I mean, I wish I could tell you 
the year exactly, but it was the early, early 90s when I had first uh, become artistic director at McCarter Theater in Princeton. And we were going to do a festival of new plays. We were looking for a new work. And out of a pile, our literary manager at the time, Janice Perrin, and then Loretta Greco, the associate uh, artistic director, found a park in our house, um, uh, or was the one-act version of a play by a guy named Nilo Cruz. And they said, have a read and have a look. And by page I was hooked. I thought, who is this guy? This voice, um, it was absolutely unique. Can you say a little bit more about what exactly attracted you to to the work? And particularly that quickly. It was, well, first it was the language. I mean, to really understand Nilo, you know, he, he is utterly himself. However, he is a stage poet the way Tennessee Williams is, or Lorca. Hmm. I mean, those are the biggest influences. Or, and yet he doesn't sound like either of them. He is absolutely his own poet. And because he has a unique poetic voice that leapt off the page. And the reason it is more than poetry, it is in fact fantastic drama, is that he has a way of creating character through language in a way that very few writers can do. Hmm. And he does with beauty and grace and subtlety. Do you remember how you learned about his winning uh, the Pulitzer? (laughs) Yes. We had decided that we wanted to do Open Eye New Theater, the Rogers Berlin Theater, um, with Nilo's play, Anna in the Tropics. And just as we had made that decision we were about to announce, that that was going to be the inaugural play, he, we got the news that he won the Pulitzer. And as I recall, it was also the day or two after he'd won the Steinberg. It suddenly the play caught people's attention. And we're one of the few who, who had been supporting Nilo since he was sleeping on the floor of New Dramatists in New York. <laughs> <laughs> he was just living hand to mouth when we first met him and we supported him right from the get-go. And it was the first play, if I'm correct, that won the award that hadn't been done in New York before. That's right. And he was also the first Latino to win a Pulitzer Prize in drama. He had very serious competition that year. What do you think persuaded the judges to choose Anna over... Edward Albee's play over Richard Greenberg's Take Me Out. What do, you, what do you think caught the attention of the judges that year? I really can't read minds. <laughs> I know I, I was very, very close to Edward Albee. And he was gracious, but devastated when he <laughs> did <laughs> when, um, I, I don't know. I'm just so thrilled he did. It was I can't remember the makeup of the committee that year, but as I recall, they were, some of them had, were um, from around the country regionally. And I think there were a couple of women, as I recall. Nilo has a sensibility that uh, often women are drawn to, I have found. Hmm. Um, It may be the poetry or just 
you know, his understanding of female characters and and the erotic nature of women, that uh, he certainly uh, captures them in much the way Tennessee Williams did. And Lorca, too, actually, when I think of it. I mean, they wrote women brilliantly, and women really respond to the work of all three writers. Why, then, do you, do you think th- that play in particular hasn't, hasn't had a larger life uh, after winning the Pul- Pulitzer? As far as I can tell, there hasn't been a major New York production since your production on Broadway. That's correct. Um, well, if you look at the uh, at the New York reviews, some of them were quite vicious. It was. I've had many friends in the business tell me that, in fact, because it hadn't been, it gotten the Pulitzer without the New York stamp of approval. The critics were sharpening their knives; they had it in for, and that seems to be the tenor of the reviews. They. And I think they actually hurt the future of the play, hmm. the, the reception that um, the play got in New York. But the New York critics have never really understood Nilo. You know, we've had reviews uh, all over the country with Nilo's work and and not in New York. So I always wondered about it. It's, you know, it was very painful to go through and I don't think we'll ever know the real reason that that's been true. But, you know, Nilo has written a gorgeous uh, Spanish version, in, you know, a version in Spanish. He wrote it first in English. And the Spanish version is, you know, done uh, in Spanish-speaking countries um, around the world. And, and that's you know, very gratifying. Why hasn't just he, in general, been produced um, more here in New York. Is it that same... Well, I don't know how to characterize it because he continues to write. Yeah, a very prolific writer. And um, his plays are done in many places around the country uh, and abroad. As I say, I don't think the New York critics quite understand him. And it's sad. Uh, he doesn't live in New York now. So uh, I don't know. It's it's a mystery because he is such a phenomenal writer. It also struck me as I was uh, reading his play that we don't actually see a lot of plays in New York by uh, Latinx playwrights, period. That's true. And again, I think um, there is a sensibility that the New York critics have and they don't think that Latinx work resonates with them. And I think it's a great failing of the New York critical establishment. Maybe we need to get some more diverse voices on that side of the table too. Just maybe. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) There's sort of one kind of critic that we have in the major powerful um, uh, newspapers with similar with similar backgrounds and sensibilities. It, it's a it's a great failing. It, it's a great sadness to me. Does his uh, work get done in? Although we have a obviously a large uh, a Latinx population here in New York, but does it get done more 
in places, Florida, California, um, other parts of the Southwest? Well, more, but you have, you know, it, it's it's almost like talking about Asian, Latinx, and all these uh, labels are, are real blunt instruments. In fact, there's a lot of his work done in Florida in where there's uh, big Cuban communities. But, you know, if you go west, the Spanish-speaking populations are, are more from Mexico and Central America. So you've got more Chicano literature than uh, Cuban or, or, or Puerto Rican. So in New York, there, you know, there was a, uh, a wonderful Spanish theater um, that did mainly Spanish work, and his work was done there frequently. But it's more under the radar, you know. But yes, his work is done a lot in Florida and in um, that that part of, of, of the world. And he, and he lives in Florida. Um, and in fact, the, the premiering theater um, of um, Anna the Tropics is in Florida. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it, it's, it's interesting that there's a lot, uh, New York in a lot of ways is extremely narrow in its, um, in my opinion, in terms of um, the ability to show all of humanity on our stages, and um, we're we're it's a, it's a narrow uh, bandwidth, and that's that. It's been very hard for women and people of color because of it. Well, perhaps this sort of reckoning that people keep talking about um, over the last few uh, uh, months, maybe that will open, uh, create an opening for uh, for his work. Hope so. I certainly hope so. It would be it, it, it's it's long overdue particularly as uh, the, f- the first uh, Latino Cuban American uh, playwright to, to, to win the Pulitzer Prize. Um, the word should be out more about him. And uh, thank you for um, spotting him first, <laughs> supporting him uh, uh, through. And honor and joy. He is one of the beings on the planet as well as one of our great great writers right thank you too for uh for talking to us um a little about him and and his work well thank you it's a pleasure always and then anytime i can sing the praises of nilo cruz i want to do it and thank you for listening i hope you'll come back next time and that you'll listen to all the other Broadway radio podcasts. And, if you aren't already doing so, that you'll consider making a contribution to support our work, which you can do at patreon.com slash broadwayradio.